Welcome to Commercial Real Estate Matters, your go-to source for the latest industry news and insights. We bring you up-to-date information on the real estate market and discuss the latest trends, technologies, and strategies to help you make informed decisions. And now, we invite you to join us as we explore the exciting world of commercial real estate. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Commercial Real Estate Matters. I'm your host, Thomas Goodwin, with Phoenix Commercial Properties based in Raleigh, North Carolina. Today, I am honored to have a distinguished guest who plays a pivotal role in shaping the urban landscape of our vibrant city. Joining us is Bill King, the president and CEO of the Downtown Raleigh Alliance. Bill's journey with the DRA began in 2014, and he has been a major contributor to the economic and urban development of downtown Raleigh ever since. His extensive accomplishments include recruiting multiple grocery stores and numerous other retailers, serving on the city's downtown Raleigh experience plan and Dick's Park planning committees, authoring the DRA's State of Downtown Raleigh report, and initiating a retail grant program to encourage new shops. Bill also serves as the North Carolina Downtown Development Association Large Cities Director and holds a degree from the University of Georgia and UNC Chapel Hill. In today's conversation, we are eager to delve into Bill's unique perspectives and experiences, discuss the challenges and successes in urban development, and understand the integral role the Downtown Raleigh Alliance plays in this evolving journey. Welcome, Bill, and thank you for joining us today on Commercial Real Estate Matters. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, let's, let's jump right in, Bill. Could you share with us your journey leading up to becoming the president and CEO of the Downtown Raleigh Alliance. Yeah, happy to. So I grew up in Georgia and was there born and raised. And after I graduated from University of Georgia, I went to Washington, D.C., and I was a policy analyst for Congress. And so I did policy reports and investigations on behalf of Congress for a few years, did financial regulation. This is right when the recession hit. Obviously, there was a lot going on in the banking sector I did some classified nuclear work, which was pretty cool. And then the final policy area they put me in was transportation and economic development. So they'd rotate you through three policy areas over two years. And that was the final place they put me and where I wanted to be. And went all over the country talking to communities about what they were doing with regards to economic development to try to pull themselves out of the recession. So we traveled all over the country. And the intention was Congress was interested in how they could support it and help finance some of that. So it's cool talking to all these people who were really passionate about their communities, doing really cool stuff, impactful things. And I realized I felt like that was where the impact was. I felt like that's where I wanted to be. It was hard to feel my impact on the federal level, but it was really cool to see what they were doing. So I decided to go back to graduate school. I went to UNC Chapel Hill, studied city planning. While I was there, I worked for a group called the Development Finance Initiative, which does uh, downtown economic development consulting all over the state. So I worked on a big project in downtown Wilmington and numerous projects around the state. And that prepared me for the opportunity at Downtown Raleigh Alliance. So I was brought on as our urban planner and economic developer in 2014. I worked on retail recruitment, recruiting grocery stores. So worked hard on those, helped bring in a number of businesses on the storefront level, built our state of downtown report and our research and all of our data. And then was also our liaison on things like Moore Square and Dix Park and transportation projects in downtown. And then in 2019, was elevated to president and CEO, just in time for the world to change dramatically. Right. So it's been an interesting five years, but that's been really, really dynamic. And it's a great community. And, and I'm very honored to be able to be a leader in it. Yeah, it sounds like it. I mean, what a 
incredible background to get to where you are today. For our listeners kind of unfamiliar with the Downtown Raleigh Alliance, could you give us kind of a brief overview of the organization's missions and kind of key activities? Yeah, absolutely. I think we're one of those organizations a lot of people have heard of, but they don't actually quite know what we do. So we're a nonprofit, and part of what we do is we administer services of the municipal service district. So downtown Raleigh, a portion of it has an assessment district that pays for additional services, and we administer some of those. So economic development, safety ambassadors, marketing and events are some of the things we do on behalf of that. So part of what we do is administer that, and then part of what we do is privately fundraise for additional services. So in economic development, storefront recruitment is kind of our big thing that we do there. So we work really hard to fill vacancies, work a lot with the brokerage community in particular, and property owners to help fill those, bring in restaurants and retail and entertainment options that that make downtown thrive. We do a lot of data and research. So we collect sales data. We have cell phone data on visitation. We put that all the time. We did a quarterly market report recently looking at what happened in fourth quarter of 2023 and sort of put all that out there. And and we measure that, occupancy rates, things like that, which help really create market information for our community. You find in real estate, it's such a small sub-market geographically. We do a lot of that primary research. So we we provide all of that. Then we do marketing and events, so restaurant week, things like that. First Friday is a big one for us. We do some PR and and kind of media curation as well, trying mm-hmm. to get stories out about downtown story. Events, we do live after five, jazz in the square, Christmas tree lighting, illuminate. Those are really intended to get people into downtown, particularly in spaces where they might not otherwise be or at times they might not be. So we do live after five on Wednesday nights because it's kind of quiet on Wednesday nights on City Plaza. We do jazz in the square because we felt like jazz was something worth celebrating. It's been great for families coming out on Thursday nights. So do events, and then we have the safety and hospitality ambassadors. And so they patrol downtown seven days a week, and they help with giving directions. They help walk people to their car. If your car won't start, they'll help jumpstart you. And then they also work very closely with Raleigh Police to maintain a, a sense of safety downtown. And on top of that, we've got some private security that we use as well in parts of downtown where we need it. So that's a big thing we do. And and then finally, I'd say advocacy. So we advocate for downtown, whether that's investing in downtown, streetscape, parks, improved lighting, sidewalks, things like that, that help spur investment, but also make downtown a more fun place to be and, and a more inviting place to be. So spend a lot of time talking with city council and um, other layers of government to invest in and take care of downtown. Right. Yeah, I've been in Raleigh my entire life, and it's uh, it's amazing how much goes on in downtown Raleigh. And you you sometimes forget about all the opportunities there are. And I think your team does a great job of putting that at the forefront of the community. Thank you. So thank you for that. What motivated you to join the Downtown Raleigh Alliance? And what vision did you have for downtown when you were first getting started? Yeah. So in terms of joining DRA, I was really interested in being a part of a rapidly growing place. So downtown Raleigh in the 90s had sort of bottomed out. Very vibrant downtown through the 60s. And then, you know, there's a stat we found uh, a while back that in the mid-70s, downtown Raleigh lost 44% of its storefront businesses in the 1970s, which is wild. And so you had the pedestrian mall put in, which wasn't successful. Generally speaking, there was a flight out of downtowns and center cities at that time. Obviously, a lot of competitors at the time, Cameron Village, now Village District was built, all of that. So that was a big part of it. So downtown Raleigh had really fallen on hard times. But then you know, starting about 20 years ago, ago, you started to see a lot more energy coming to downtown. So building the convention center, reopening Fayetteville Street, converting some of the streets to two-way, a lot more investment. PNC Plaza was built. 
And so you could see that momentum and I want to be a part of that. I could see it was a city that had some good alignment in it. And so people wanting to make their downtown great, a general buy-in that downtown was important was, was I think something that I found really compelling and a place where people getting big things done. When I got here, Union Station was underway and uh, more square was being renovated. And so it was really cool to, to be a part of that. I think also in Raleigh, what's neat is we're transitioning from a, a smaller city to a bigger city, but we've managed to retain a really tight community here. So in bigger cities, you don't really have as much of that where business leaders know each other really well and they know elected officials well and they know small business owners well. And here we've got that, which is really cool. So you get to be part of a tight-knit community that's all building up downtown and, and growing it. So that was important to me in terms of what I was looking for and from a vision perspective, it's creating a walkable downtown, really a place where people could live and not have to drive much. This is a region mm-hmm. that is still pretty spread out I grew up in Atlanta. Atlanta has a lot of great things about it, but its sprawl is a real challenge. I mean, it's hard to get around right. that place. And it's because it's so so low density and, and auto-dependent in much of the city and, and the metro region. Downtown Raleigh is an opportunity to do it a little differently here, and let's create a place that is walkable. So you can park your car, and you can walk to work, and you can walk to the grocery store. It's a big part of recruiting grocery stores, and walk to the pharmacy and and things like that and create a lifestyle that is a little bit more sustainable. So that was a big part is I wanted to be part of creating a sustainable part of the triangle. And I think we've made a lot of progress there. Yeah, no, absolutely. Do you live in downtown? I do. I live up off of Person Street. Okay. So in the Mordecai area. Yeah, yeah. I love that. So you kind of, you live what you work. Oh, know? absolutely. It feels like living in a small town in certain ways. My daughter's in daycare in downtown. My office is obviously on Fayetteville Street and my home is there in Mordecai. So our whole life there takes place in a, in a pretty tight area, which is really cool. That's great. You kind of touched on it about recruiting. How how does the recruitment pops up, pop-ups and uh, financial support kind of play a factor in getting folks and businesses to downtown Raleigh? Yeah. So what we try to do on the recruitment side is be kind of a, helpful to our brokerage community. Um, so we don't compete with them. We, we give them leads. So we say, hey, we've curated this relationship with this restaurateur, this chef. Hey, let's connect you. Or we'll do it with a property owner as well and say, hey, let's, let's match make. So we do that. We provide a lot of data. I mean, obviously, whenever a business is looking to come downtown, they want to know, is this a good idea or not? So we give data on sales and foot traffic and things like that. So we sort of fill those gaps. On pop-ups, what we've done is we've used pop-ups as a tool really for improving equity downtown. So we have a pop-up shop that we we lease the storefront. It's on Martin Street next to the Mecca restaurant. And we then sublease it to minority and women-owned businesses. So what we do there is we've lowered the rent, we've lowered the risk. It's a year-long lease. Let's them test the market. Let's them get experience being a storefront business without taking on too much at once. And that program has been more successful than we realized. Mm-hmm. And it's generated four permanent storefront businesses in Raleigh, which is awesome. Three downtown, one at Crabtree Valley Mall. So we're really proud of that program because it's improved, even in a small way, diversity of the ownership in storefront businesses here. So that's a way we've used pop-ups. It also fills vacancy right? And it's generating businesses that fill other vacancies. So right. that's that's another method we use in economic development. On financial support, we have storefront upfit grants. So we give those to small locally owned businesses. When you're moving into a, a new storefront, the upfit can be an expensive cost that puts you in the hole quickly. And you're like, man, I got to do rent. I got to get my cost of goods, all of that. And I'm trying to pay off the debt from this upfit. So we provide grants to help defray some of those costs. It also gives us an opportunity to get to know the business better, get to help them on their business plan and their financial plan and be a part of that earlier on because we think that that can create more success long term. Yeah, it's truly a team effort, if you will. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
In your role, how have you seen the commercial real estate landscape evolve in downtown Raleigh and what trends are currently shaping the market and how does a DRA respond to these changes? Oh, yeah. So obviously it's changed a lot just in the last 10 years and even just in the last five. I think the first thing I'd say is residential has, has been the big boom. Starting January 2015, we had a, a building deliver and it was the beginning of a kickoff that delivered over 3,400 units in about six years to downtown, which is tremendous. If you think about what downtown Raleigh was at the start of the the start of the 2000s, wasn't hardly anybody living here. And now you got that many units in that amount of time. It was a lot of units. I'll tell you at the beginning of that pipeline, we were a little worried about absorption. Hopeful, but a little like, boy, this is a lot of units in a one, sure. one square mile. We're at 94% occupied today. Yeah. And we're in another boom where the current pipeline, we've got over 2,000 units under construction right now in downtown. And then over the last year, I think there's been about 700 units delivered. So you're looking at another 3,000 unit pipeline hitting. There'll be some time it takes to absorb that. So you will see occupancy probably go down some just because it's a lot of units. And you may even see rent go down a bit. That's natural when you have supply hit. But given what we saw before in the absorption, we feel a lot more confident it's going to get absorbed over time here, which is great. So residential has been big because what's happened is that's led to more storefront businesses. It's created some of that energy we needed. When I recruited the grocery stores, people would say, why don't you do a petition to tell them to come or we'll do some campaign. And you talk to them and they said, all that stuff's great. It doesn't make any difference to us. We need to see rooftops. And when the rooftops are there, we will be there, Mm -hmm. right? But until the rooftops are there, you can't campaign us or petition us to be somewhere where we're a business with a thin margin. We need to see rooftops. And so rooftops have made a big difference. That's why we have two grocery stores downtown. And it makes a huge difference in supporting those businesses. So Residential has been the biggest thing I've seen change. In residential, what's interesting though is this wave starting from a decade ago is so heavy on rental. So it's multifamily rental. Mm-hmm. Pre-recession, it was a lot of multifamily condo ownership. I wish we had more of those again. And as coming out of the recession, a lot harder to finance. That's one of those things that, you know, from a risk aversion perspective coming out of the recession, they're just much more difficult to finance. And because apartments are doing so well, the commercial real estate industry is veered that way and said, okay, yeah, well, we can, keep going. we can build these, we can get rent growth and we can sell them or hold them and get our value. So that has been a little bit of a gap that we're seeing widen a bit in our, our market. I'd say other trend, obviously hybrid work has affected the office market a lot. And when we look at our sort of benchmarks, you measure residents, visitors, employees, Residents, we got more of those today than we had four years ago before the pandemic started. So we've added units. People have moved in. We're doing great on residential. Visitors are almost back. We're at about 94 to 96% of visitation compared to pre-pandemic. Now, it's not necessarily as evenly distributed. Some of that's Glenwood South, right? But even in the Fayetteville Street District, I think in December, we were at 85% visitation compared to pre-pandemic. So that's pretty good. Employees, the thing that is the lagging indicator. So that's the one that has just not come back particularly close to what it was before. Hybrid work is a reality. Uh, a lot of employers offer it. It's a flexibility that a lot of employees want, uh, all of which makes sense. It just makes it hard to have a business district built off of it. And so the shift from that is going to take time. It means adding more residents, which is happening, but you got to build them, right? So that takes years. And then it's adding more things that bring visitors here, which you can sometimes do faster, at least in the near term. But other big things like convention center expansion or, or sports facilities or things like that, that takes a long time. So that, that is a commercial real estate trend that we're still working through that every, 
every downtown in the country is working through. So right. that's a big one as well. And then on the storefront level, I think a lot of those businesses had a tough time during COVID. They're bouncing back. They're seeing sales come back. But when you're trying to lease on the storefront level, the deals have changed a good bit. What they expect from an upfit from the from their landlord has changed tremendously. They want to see it, right? They need yeah. to see those that support and those costs. They're a lot more rent sensitive. You see more exploration of percentage rent deals as well, but there's not a lot of knowledge about that, particularly on the tenant side. They don't really, they're very wary of them. Yeah. So we're I'm sort of- paying rent and then I'm paying a percentage of my sales too. Exactly, <laughs> right. Yeah, and yeah. so there's there's an interesting dynamic there. We are seeing some landlords, particularly with, with some density, where they're being a lot more creative in the deals they structure on the storefront level because they see that as really driving the leasing upstairs. So whether that's residential or office, you're seeing a lot of those landlords change what they're willing to do on the ground floor because they need to fill them to create the experience to lease the upstairs. So we've seen that shift a good bit. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like every downtown is almost, it's it's an ecosystem, right? Mm-hmm. And it's continual balancing act to, That's right. to keep that going. In what ways does your team engage with the local community to reflect the evolving needs and interests that they have? So we do obviously a lot of community engagement. We do surveys and meetings like that, but Really, what we try to do is anticipate where we're going and then get people on board. So a couple of examples in the last couple of years, outdoor dining changed a lot. Prior to COVID, you couldn't do these outdoor dining parklets. They're called streeteries in Raleigh, uh, where you, you know take up on-street parking spaces for, for dining. We worked with partners uh, to advocate for this at the state level, um, which was great. And then here in Raleigh, worked with the city on designing those and helping fund those those streetery and parklets and got people on board, got businesses to participate. And they've been really successful. If you walk down Martin Street, you'll see a couple of them. Hargett Street in front of Raleigh Times, totally transformed mm-hmm. with that. So it's a good example of where we were able to sort of fill in between the public and private sector and, and get a different outcome than you otherwise would have had. The Sip and Stroll or Social District is another example of that. That was one that the state legislature passed that a couple of years ago. And a couple of towns had done it before us. Greensboro had done it. But we worked really hard. We did a ton of community engagement, residents, businesses, property owners, and said, hey, here's the idea. What do you think? And how can we build this in a way that everybody can get on board with? So then we worked with the city, proposed a district, got it rolled out pretty quickly, worked hard at it. Then we did another review last year of lessons learned. What's going well? What's not? Did a whole round of community engagement. And what we found is the Sip and Stroll District has a 90% approval rating, which is wow. nothing has a 90% approval rating. Santa Claus didn't have a 90% approval rating. So that that was <laughs> an amazing example of a policy and a project that we were able to engage the community on, work really hard to build it in a way that they would buy in on, and it's been successful. So not the only thing we need. It's not a silver bullet for anything, but a good example where we're able to engage and, and do something differently than before. Yeah. And you might have answered this question, but... Would you say that's a project or initiative that the DRA would highlight as pretty successful? Definitely, we would. I mean, it, it hasn't come with any real externalities that are negative. So we were concerned about trash, people throwing cups and trashing them. Certainly concerned about over-consuming alcohol and misbehavior from that. Haven't seen that. For the most part, the way people use social district sip and stroll is they add a drink on at the end of dinner to walk to the amphitheater or the theater. Sure. And that's a lot of what they do. So it hasn't really driven either of those things. So what it ends up being is it's an extra sale for the business. That's easy. And you put it in a plastic cup and there you go. And so it's been additive for our businesses who participate and push it without a whole lot of externalities. We talk to Raleigh police every week and we ask them, hey, you seen anything from this, all that? And they say, no, we've had no issues with it, which is great. So I would say that's definitely been a very successful project. Not everything's going to be like that. 
usually things come with trade-offs that yeah. are more severe than that. But I think that's one we feel good about. What are some of the biggest challenges you face in enhancing downtown Raleigh? And how does the DRA work to address those challenges? So certainly, I mentioned hybrid work is a big one, which is a macro level challenge of how people work in the office. That's going to take time for us to work through. Some people will realign how, what space they lease, how much they lease. Others who want to be in the office will take that space, but that takes time. That's as leases and all that. I mean, that's a real sort of moving a battleship. So what we try to do around that is create a clean and safe environment in downtown. And the city does the cleaning service. We do the safety service. But that's a big part of what we can control as best we can in that versus trying to force people back to the office, which is really an employer decision, right? Right. But that's one that certainly is a challenge. I'd say that along those lines, last year, safety became a challenge around the transit center and very prominent one because we have a lot of visitors go there and it's near Fayetteville Street and all. So we've we've worked really hard on our team and with Raleigh Police to get that under control. We've seen good progress there. The data Raleigh Police gave us from September through the end of the year, crime dropped 35% in oh, downtown, wow. which is great. Now, there's some seasonality to that. It gets cold, but... Even when you compared it to the previous year's drop, there's a pretty significant difference. So there was an increase there of, or a decrease, I should say, in crime. And the private security patrols have helped. We've got one. The city has one. Increased police presence has helped. And so it does feel a lot better, which is good. And that's very, very important to us. Challenge with that is it created, obviously, a media narrative last fall that is hard to shake, right? So, you know, saturated on local news. It became a part of every story about downtown and so that takes time to work through. We've got 110 blocks downtown. A hundred of them are in great shape. I mean, doing really well from every possible metric. You can measure them. And I wouldn't even say 10 are in trouble, but 10 have a mixed bag, right? Yeah. And But they're prominent. And so that's what we got to work on and focus on and make sure that those are the best they can be. And we've already seen some improvement there, which is good. So, But you have to now deal with the, the legacy of that that media narrative and work through it. And we're trying to show through data, so through real facts, what the progress is and where there's left to do work. Yeah, it makes sense. And I mean, I think you got to take some of those news news pieces with a grain of salt, right? And then really look into the, the data, like you said. Looking ahead, what major projects or initiatives does the DRA have in the pipeline for downtown Raleigh? So right now we're working on an economic development strategy for downtown. So downtown had a downtown plan that was finished in 2015 and a lot of it was sort of land use planning. It did have an economic development section, most of which was oriented towards recruiting a grocery store and then supporting the storefront community with grants and, and things like that. We accomplished all that years ago, before the pandemic. We got the grocery stores. Those leases were signed in 2017. They opened in 2019 and 2020. And then we've had the UpFit grant on our side, and the city has a grant. We've had those since 2015. So it was out of date. And then, of course, the world changed so much. So what we found is we need a new strategy that reckons with the realities of how office works, right? Reckons with how people experience things, how they want to be in downtowns, how all of that works, what has gotten kind of tired downtown, and move us forward. And so we've been working on this strategy for a better part of a year. And we're going to be rolling out the first recommendations in February of this year to the city council, which are focused on the Fayetteville Street area. So improving... Okay our main street. Obviously, it's a five block long street. So it's not the biggest street in the world, but it's a very important street to the city and the state. The Capitol sits at the top of it, Forming Arts Center at the bottom of it. 
Uh, a lot of visitors walk up and down it. It gets tons and tons of visitors every single year from not only events, but just you stay in a hotel, you're here for business, and you walk up and down the street. And I've seen celebrities walking up and down our street, right? We want to show that. We want that to show really well. We want that street to be what it can be. It's got too much vacancy, mm-hmm. um, lacks a certain level of placemaking. So we're bringing those re- recommendations forward first because we want to make sure that our property owners and our stakeholders are able to keep moving on that and get going on that as quickly as possible. The remaining three chapters are focused on our future of our office market downtown. What do we do with our office space? How do we reposition ourselves to be competitive? We think it's a great place to work. You got great lunch options, way more lunch options than any other submarket in the region by more than double. You got parks, you've got fitness, you got a lot of good opportunity, a lot of good collaboration opportunities, but we got to position ourselves better so that we're able to be more competitive moving forward. And I think there's opportunities we haven't necessarily looked at, like life science. Mm-hmm. Durham and Chapel Hills downtowns are in that. Right. We need to be in that as well. No reason for us not to at least look at it. So we're exploring that. Then we're also looking at how we can better support minority and women-owned businesses in downtown. We want to make sure we're as diverse as possible and we reflect the full community of Raleigh and the state in our downtown and who has businesses there. And the final chapter is really, what's the next big idea for downtown Raleigh? And I'm excited about that. So I think we've leapt forward when we've had big ideas. I'd say in recent years, our biggest idea has probably been Dick's Park, which is great. And getting that connected to downtown is a priority for us. So what else is there that would elevate downtown's economy and give us a a boost, a meaningful one? So that's what that study is. That's a big initiative of ours that you'll see throughout 2024 is something we're rolling out. And I'd say also in the near term, marketing for downtown. And so dealing with that media narrative, but getting the stories out more about this place. Downtown Raleigh is... 90% of our retailers on the storefront level are locally owned, which is very unusual for a downtown of ours. And it's kind of unusual in Raleigh. Mm -hmm. Think about the other commercial centers. They're not that overwhelmingly locally owned. We are. That's a challenge in terms of name recognition. It's a bit of a challenge because they're not all on one street. So you got to find ways to get people to find them. But it's an opportunity because those are businesses you think of when you think of Raleigh. And I think there's a real real interest in supporting that type of business and pride and pride. Absolutely. And we got to get that story out more and get out the story about the experiences downtown too. And what's great about it. So we're doing that in the near term here to get things going again and elevate us even further. As I, as I kind of think about the information you guys provide to the market has AI artificial intelligence. Are you guys, have you used that? Have you looked into that for anything that, that you're working on? We haven't really looked too hard at, at AI. I mean, I think you look at it a little bit in testing some of your communications and all that in, in a basic way, but haven't necessarily looked at that. I think where you see perhaps the most immediate opportunity is in transportation, right? So automated transportation is being developed. There's a lot of work being done on that. That isn't necessarily self-driving cars, but I, there are already some self-driving and automated transit options. And so getting people moving around in sort of that micro-mobility space using AI, there are conversations about that. We've had some and looking at, okay, are there ways to connect downtown and pockets of downtown using some of that type of technology? So those are conversations that are very active. Yeah. Kind of big picture thinking, what would be your long-term vision for the future of downtown Raleigh? Well, I definitely want to make it a place that is a dense, walkable, vibrant downtown. And so continuing to add a lot more residential. Our current residential growth is is great. It's a little heavily weighted to the west side of downtown. I'd love to get that throughout all of downtown. Think about that southern end of Fayetteville Street, a little sleepy. Getting more people living on that end of downtown would be very helpful to making that feel lively seven days a week. So I want a seven-day-a-week 
lively downtown. So adding more residential across downtown is a big part of that. I also believe connecting downtown to Dick's Park in a really meaningful, bold, clear way is important. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt that's going to be a a catalytic project for the entire city. Already a lot of investment going into it. And it's very, very close to downtown. We consider it a downtown park. But getting from the Fayetteville Street area over there, you got to get over an interchange and Western Boulevard. And it's just tricky. Right. Right. So a bold connection where anybody could come to town and go, okay, I see how to get from there to here. I think that's important. I think both would benefit. We have a lot of parking supply that the park could benefit from. The park has obviously great opportunities with the play plaza they're building and the festivals that are there. So I think that connection is really, really important for us. And then I'd love to just sort of fill in the gaps. I, I think I mentioned residential, but downtown has growth all over it, but there are still those quiet portions where you walk in, you walk from the Capitol over to sort of that west side along Hillsborough Street, it kind of dies down a little bit, right? It's gotten better. The 301 Hillsborough Street buildings helped a lot. 400H has been built. That's helping. It's a good example of where we're filling in that gap between Glenwood South and Fayetteville Street. I think we've got a few of those gaps that I'd love to see filled in. Uh, Along those lines, the state government campus is a part of that. It's exciting to see some thinking going on there and some progress there and looking at some of those buildings, ways to sort of improve that campus. But there's portions of that campus that just don't have a lot of liveliness to them. Certainly kind of a nine to five Monday through Friday feel. It would be great to get that state government campus to be alive a little bit more and, and a place where there's also more activity because on the other side of it, between it sits between sort of Fayetteville Street and the Seaboard Station area. Tons of development on Seaboard right. Station as well and Glenwood South. So uh, a more dense, uh, lively downtown that's better connected internally and externally. Yeah, I look at that growth and... If I'm correct, I think downtown is divided into six districts, and then you kind of have the downtown boundary around that. Do you see, maybe particularly to the south, that boundary expanding of downtown, or or how do you kind of envision that? Yeah, I think the definition of downtown will definitely expand. If you think about it, south is that direction, right? Downtown south, obviously, is a big development, but there's a lot of other developments already under construction or under development there. You look at the Weld, which is over there by Dix Park Mm -hmm. as well. So I think there's going to be a lot of that. At the end of the day, as major cities evolve, their urban cores do grow. So if you go to Seattle, where the Space Needle's at and where the football stadium's at, they're, they're like three miles apart. But if you look at it, everything in between feels more or less like downtown. And from the, the top of downtown, which is sort of that seaboard station area to a downtown south, it's going to have a similar spread. That's a two, two and a half miles that I think someday will feel like a, a coherent urban core. And I think it's important for us to have that. Because when you have that place where you can have density and growth like that, it unlocks a lot of potential. It unlocks the ability to have transit, right? And it unlocks walkability and unlocks a lot of amenities. So I think that South is where there's a lot of opportunity between I-40 and Western Boulevard. Yeah, agreed. What advice would you give to aspiring leaders who want to make an impact in their communities, particularly in the realm of commercial real estate and urban development? Yeah, it seems simple, but relationships are incredibly important and developing relationships broadly. So what you find is for real estate to work, you think about a development, you've got obviously a lot of different types of tenants potentially. And so you've got ground floor tenants who might be cool, funky restaurant or bar concept, and you might have office tenants who are a law firm. And you got to be able to navigate those worlds and you got to be able to build relationships and talk to people and meet them where they're at. And then you build a common bond there, right? So what we find in downtown is we've got a lot of different stakeholders and we've got everything from 
government and law firms and things like that to really wacky bars and restaurants and all. But there's a common purpose of building a place that is walkable, energized, vibrant. So you get, you build everyone around a, a common vision, you actually will find a lot more commonality. I think we sometimes lose that. We look at our divisions and go, okay, well, we don't agree. There's a lot of agreement on what people want to experience. Yeah. And I think in commercial real estate, you build that vision, you'll be surprised at how many people buy in from a broad swath of life. But you got to be flexible and able to to work with people that way and, and meet them where they are. Absolutely. As we come to a close, reflecting on your time with the Downtown Rally Alliance, what achievements are you most proud of and what lessons have you learned? Well, certainly the the all the work we've done on the storefront level to recruit businesses, getting grocery stores downtown was a big one, but we've brought a lot of businesses to fill storefronts that we're proud of and I think they've helped add to the experience. And we've built a lot of support around them, our grant programs and our, our promotions as well. I'm, I'm proud of those. Even the way we do events, we try to make those supportive of star, storefront businesses, not disruptive or, or hurting them. We built a really robust data and research program. I mean, we do the state of downtown report every year. We do quarterly market reports, do a lot of policy reports. We're really rich in data. What it does is it drives our decisions in a way we feel like are based on fact and, and are more responsive to where need is. But it's also given downtown a seat at the table. So this economic development strategy, we're, we're leading that, right? on behalf of the city. And so there's a trust there built off of that. Hey, you guys know what you're talking about because you've built this data and research uh, foundation. I think our response, uh, particularly during 2020, I'm proud of that. Obviously, 2020 was a really challenging year for downtown. We jumped into action, helping them get curbside zones set up within days of the pandemic breaking out. We're always for helping get information to our businesses on how to survive. We redid our website in like a matter of hours and did a lot of work there. And then when there was unrest downtown, we were on the ground helping deal with it, clean it up, putting out fires, all of that, and then helping rebuild. And I think we've come a really long way from where we were in summer of 2020, which is a pretty dire place. Yeah. And our team's had a big part of that. So I'm really proud of that. And I'm also proud of the fact that we're getting a lot of things done in the near term to help fill in vacancies and all, but we're also doing long-term visioning. And so I think it's important not to just be stuck in your short term. You got to be looking ahead and we're building that vision out. And so Proud of our team for that and, and the community we've got looking ahead to have an even better downtown Raleigh. Yeah. And, and to our audience, if if you don't subscribe to your newsletter and, and get the market reports that you guys put out, I mean, I, I personally think it's some of the best information out in the marketplace. So thank you for that. Bill, it was a privilege to have you with us today, sharing your invaluable insights and experiences in the development of downtown Raleigh. Thank you for this engaging discussion. For our listeners who want to connect or learn more, where can they find you? Yeah, so you can find us at downtownraleigh.org. My contact information is on there as well as my team. So whether you're in commercial real estate and you're looking to invest in downtown or bring tenants downtown, we got a lot of information. We'd love to connect with you. we got a good team. And reach out to us there and we'd be happy to have you. And then, of course, we have robust social media accounts. So follow us at Downtown Raleigh Alliance across all the social media and we'll keep you in the loop. You heard it here, folks. Thanks again, Bill. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Commercial Real Estate Matters. We hope you've enjoyed learning about the latest trends and news in the industry. As always, we welcome your feedback and suggestions. Please consider following us on social media or subscribing to this podcast to stay up to date on all the latest news. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to hearing from you.